Hey, good morning. Uh, in case you don't know me, my name is Patrick Houston, and I'm the student pastor here at Cornerstone, and this is our student takeover service. Uh, I know things may be a little bit different than you're used to, but uh, we've been here all week with uh, our students and our team, and we've been praising and worshiping God and opening up His Word and, and getting into uh, His plan for our lives. And so it's been an exciting week. It's been full of chaos and uh, destruction and changing lives all at the same time. And so uh, we have been um, here since Friday night and, and doing so much and, and having so much fun. And there's a, a few pictures here that will kind of give you a glimpse into what was going on. We had a guest speaker on Friday night come and, and give a great word. And we had two salvations. That was amazing. And, and, um, and we had these kids put on wet underwear. That was great. Um, there was all kinds of, of crazy uh, icebreakers and things like that going on. And, and uh, it was really just a great time to connect with the students and get to know them on a more personal level and be able to share with them the gospel and, and everything that was going on. And what our hearts is, is uh, really to show them who Jesus is and, and the plan and the destiny he has for their life. And so that's what it was all about and, and living life every day with him. And so they got to do all kinds of crazy stuff. They played uh, uh, life-size Angry Birds and, and shot down a bunch of forts and stuff. And um, uh, That's me. You see that? I was about to destroy something. Um, and then we had uh, uh, our leaders just did a fantastic job with, with facilitating everything and getting everything ready for them. They had a ton of fun. And, and you'll see here in a few moments we had a, a food fight. And uh, it was absolutely the worst idea we've ever had. But it was the funnest thing we've ever done. And uh, it was one of those things where, like, you're super excited about it because you've always wanted to have a food fight. You know, you always wanted to do that. You dreamed about it. But as soon as that first chunk of oatmeal hit me in the face, it was instant regret. Instantly. I was tired. Of, and, and so uh, I told the kids all week long, hey, make sure that you bring sunscreen, a change of clothes, all this stuff, right? Make sure that you uh, are drinking lots of water and you're hydrated and everything. And as you can see, I'm a little bit more pink this morning than usual. Uh, I didn't listen to my own advice. And, uh, and I got pretty burnt. But they had a blast. This was the worst thing out of all of it. That's pickle juice, jello, mustard, all kinds of nasty stuff that they had to put their feet in. Originally, I was going to make them put their face in it, but our leaders are more merciful than I. Um, but, yeah, this was the food fight, and it was complete madness. Yeah, the flour, mistake. That was a mistake. If you ever plan a food fight, which I pray for you that you don't, don't use flour. It's her fault, too. It's all her fault. Uh, she was the one who said, let's do a food fight. We're like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. So if you see Erica Vose walking around, you can thank her for the messy laundry you had to clean uh, and things like that. That is, is all her fault. But uh, we had a, a great time and it was a lot of fun. And uh, thank you so much for uh, allowing your students to, to partake and, and come to that. And uh, we pray that their, li- their lives are really changed from it. Uh, but but more than anything, I, I want to thank you guys for your support. Thank you so much for uh, pouring in uh, your prayers and, and giving uh, your, your finances and your time and, and everything that you give to make things like this possible for our students. And uh, that's one thing that can be said about Cornerstone Church is that we will not leave this generation behind. And so it is, it's our heart as a ministry and as a church to make sure that we are pressing forward into the lives of these young people to make a difference. Amen. And so thank you so much for, for being a part of that. Thank you for, for being here with that. Um, and our, our pastors, uh, obviously being uh, 
uh, youth pastors in, in, in their past and, and having experience in youth ministry, they still have such a heart for young people and for this next generation. And so without them, uh, that vision wouldn't be here. And so we're, we're so blessed to have uh, Pastor Sean and Pastor Lisa to, to pioneer that for us and to really have the heart for, for your students, for your kids. And, and that's from every age group into the children's ministry and nursery. Uh, we, we really have a passion to see our students love the Lord all of their life. And so uh, make sure that, that you thank them for that. Make sure that when you see them that, that you express that to them because they're amazing pastors and, and, and we love them so much. Um, and then also uh, another thanks that I want to give is to our leaders. Our student leaders, they were here all week and, and they put in uh, countless hours every week. I mean, uh, three nights a week they're here doing things for our students and getting things prepped and ready. And so they love your students and, and they give their time and their efforts and their, their finances to help do that. And so if you can, let's just give a round of applause for our, our youth leaders and our student leaders who help with that. You guys, I love you guys. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. And, uh, and before I get into my message, I have uh, just one other thanks to give. And, and my parents are here this morning. And so I always want to acknowledge them and bless them and honor them because they have uh, set the stage for me and, and laid an awesome foundation for uh, Raquel and I to do what we love to do and to walk into our calling. And so thank you, Mom and Dad. I love you guys. But um, I'm so glad that you guys are here this morning and uh, get to share in this time with us. Uh, did you enjoy praise and worship? Did you have a good time with that? Yeah, I was excited about getting to share the team with you guys because uh, this is what your students are experiencing every Wednesday night. And, and so we uh, do not ever want to um, lack in the area of praise and worship for them. We want them to experience the fullness of God even as a junior high and, and high school student because it's important that they get used to it. They, 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 get, they get used to being immersed in God's presence and worshiping Him and spending time with Him. So uh, they did a phenomenal job, the team did, and, and I'm, I couldn't be prouder of them. I love you guys as well. But this morning, I really want to share a message with you, and I'm excited about it. Uh, and it's one of those things where, where a lot of times we kind of hear the, the idea of, of leaving a legacy, you know? We, we kind of talk about that as, as we grow older and, and as we think back on our life of, of what do I want to be known for, you know? And, and, and what kind of person do I want to be perceived as? And even if we don't realize it, uh, it doesn't matter how old you are or or uh, what culture you're from, or what kind of people you hang out with, everybody knows you for something, right? You, you are known for something. So I want to speak to that topic today of, of what will they say? What will they say? And that meaning, what, what are they going to say about us when we leave the room? What are they going to say about us uh, 10 years from now? What did we do? What have we accomplished? What kind of person have we become? What kind of character do we have? What will they say about us? And I know that that uh, we've all kind of uh, been in that awkward uh, place before where we had to go to maybe a funeral or something along those lines where they were talking about the person and everything that the pastor was saying you knew was a lie. And you're like, come on, pastor, I'm supposed to be able to trust you. I know this person. They were not loving and caring. And it's sad, and it happens a lot. And, and when we think about it, it's kind of funny in retrospect. But, but when we're there, it's like, man, this person really didn't leave behind anything great. And it's sad when we see that in families and they say, no, no, they, they weren't there. They, they, they didn't know what was going on in our, in our lives. And, and so we want to make sure as Christians that we are leaving the correct legacy. Amen. We want to make sure that we are, we are standing for something and we are presenting Jesus through our lives. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. 
And, uh, and I'm sure that, that we've all been in the, in the situation where uh, maybe at work or uh, in a different setting, maybe with the family, you're talking about a family member or a coworker, and uh, they just kind of get on your nerves a little bit. And, and so everybody kind of talks about that person when they leave the room. And it's like maybe the boss came in and just uh, yelled at everybody. And as soon as they leave, everybody's like, oh, I hate that guy, you know. And, and they kind of just, just talk their heart about that person because of, of who they are. And uh, one time I was at work uh, in a previous em- employer, and, and uh, we were in a call center, so it was all kind of uh, tight quarters there. And uh, there was a, a, a woman who worked there, a coworker that not a lot of people liked because she was one of those people that just complained a lot. And then she also was, like, pretty bossy. And so she would complain and then tell you what to do. And then she complained about how you did what what she told you to do. And so it was one of those situations where she came in, she rattled off some things, and then she left. And it made one of my coworkers so mad that he just started going off. And he starts saying all these things about this woman and, and how he doesn't like her and starts saying all, all of these mean things about, about how uh, she works and her work ethic. And then he even started talking about how she looked. And it got bad. He was getting himself worked up to a rant to where he got to the point where he wasn't listening or seeing anything around him or, or, or aware of his surroundings. He just started going off and, and letting this woman have it behind her back. And he was so much in the moment that he didn't realize the door had opened back up and she had come back to the room. And, uh, and so uh, being the person that I am and my personality, I, I try to avoid conflict uh, and awkward moments as much as possible. I will, I will try to stay away from the awkwardness. And so when I saw her come in, I panicked. And I don't know why I said this, but the only thing that could come to my mind, because we had just had a big company breakfast before, or a department breakfast, and she comes in the door, and, and the red flag goes off. I'm like, oh, no, she's going to freak out. This is going to be so awkward and weird, and, and there's going to be a fight or something crazy is going to happen. So I shouted at her, no, you can't have any of our donuts, Michelle. And I put a finger up in her face like that. And, and she was like, what? I didn't want any of your donuts. And so I looked over at my coworker, and his face turns red, and he realized what had happened and what I had just saved him from. But I'm sure that we've all kind of experienced that at some point where people are talking about Iraq. And that's the, that's the truth of it, is that just as humans, we begin to uh, remember people for, for the small things, for the big things, for the consistent things, for the lack of consistency. And so uh, in our lives, we have to be at a place where we can be confident in who we are and what people see in us. And so I want to I read this scripture. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, do you have your Bibles with you? Do you love your Bibles? That's what I ask every, every Wednesday at youth. I say, do you love your Bible? Do you read your Bible? And depending on the crowd that night and who's there, some people say yes and other people are like, I don't know what the Bible is. That we're working on it. We're working on it. But uh, let's open up our Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And if you're following along in, in the, the Bible app, uh, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. And uh, as you're turning there, I'll kind of explain a little bit. The, the writer of this scripture is, is the Apostle Paul. And he's writing from a prison cell. And uh, really, he, he's not sick. He's not ill. He, he's not on his deathbed per se. But he understands the season of life that he is in. And what he is uh, conveying to us is that the end is near for him. The end of his ministry and the end of his life is coming to a close. The Holy Spirit has given him that discernment to know things are, are, are wrapping up here. And so if you've ever been around someone who is near passing, the last few words that they say are typically pretty important, right? 
They're typically something that everybody leans in and the hush is real quiet to hear. And if you've never been in that situation, you've probably seen a movie where somebody bends over real close and they whisper in their ear and it's like a, a revelation about something crazy and there's some secret behind it all. But, but uh, the, the point is, is that Paul's statement here is important for us. It's important to, to the recipient of the letter, but it's also important to us as Christians and as believers. And so I want to read this together to, uh, today. And it's uh, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 6. It says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and, at the, time of my, and the time of my departure is at hand. And I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not just to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And I want to go back and read the first portion of that passage again together and underline some things here. It says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. And if you're taking notes, underline this. And I have fought the good fight. Fought the good fight. And I have finished the race, underline finished the race. And I have kept the faith, underline kept the faith. And I want to talk this morning about those three things, but let's pray first. Father, we love you in this place. And we thank you that you are here to to impart into us your word and your truths. And I pray that that's exactly what would happen, God, that you would use this time to... uh, Bring us to a greater revelation of your son Jesus and, and of our lives as Christians and, ha- and who we should be and the fulfillment that we should seek. Jesus, we love you in this place and we thank you for what's about to happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> Paul establishes that he is three things in, in this passage. Number one, he's a fighter. Number two, he's a finisher. And number three, he's a keeper. And so today I want to talk about those points and relate that to our lives and how they are and they, they belong in the lives of the believer. They are, they, are, they are key elements that we have to receive and understand and partake in in order for us to live a fulfilled life through Christ. And so I want to look at those things. So as a Christian, you are, number one, a fighter. You are a fighter. And a lot of times whenever we first step into our walk with Christ and into Christianity and we receive salvation, we, we kind of have this preconceived notion, and I don't know where it came from, but this thought, and the world thinks it a lot, this thought that, that as a Christian, life is just easy. That, that we just have things easy. That it, it may be because we live in a relationship with God and, and we go to church and we have these smiles on our faces all the time. And so it may seem like life is easy for us, but the truth is, is that's just makeup. That's just painted on, right? And, and, and the reality is that we are dealing with some things. And as Christians, life is hard. We, we deal with the same things that the world is dealing with, but in a greater way because we are now under attack by the enemy. We are now under persecution by Satan, and he wants to destroy the plans that God has for our lives. Life doesn't get easier as a Christian. It actually gets harder. It's like, well, why would I ever want to be a Christian? Because we found fulfillment. We have found our salvation. We have found our Savior. We have found a relationship with the Creator, God. And so through that, we are able to overcome those circumstances. But it's a fight. It's a fight every day we have to choose to battle through these principalities and through these attacks and through the circumstances. And we have to push through in order to fulfill what God has placed on our lives. It's a fight and a battle that we have to to live in every day. I had a a coworker 
one time tell me, man, every time I try to live right, every time I try to go to church, and every time I try to tithe, and every time I try to, to lead my wife as a spiritual leader, things in my house and in my home and in my life, they just go to hell. I, I, can't, I can't make it work. It's just, uh, it gets harder every single time. And it's because we come under attack. When we step into obedience and we begin to fulfill the will of God in our life, then we come under attack. This is a fight that we have to be willing to, to fight through. This is something that, that we're going to have to get tenacious with, and we're going to have to, to put up our fists and say, I'm not backing down from this. No matter how big, no matter how great the opposition is, I'm going to push through because the Lord has called me, and he's destined me, and he's purposed me for a time such as this. We are, we are living in a time where there is opposition coming from, at us from every angle. And we have to decide, am I going to be beat down or am I going to continue to fight forward? Am I going to continue to push through and to receive the things that God has for my life? There's another thing is that, that the fight really is hard. So hard that we cannot do it on our own. And I don't know about you, maybe you weren't always saved, or maybe you weren't always living in God's will, and there's some times in my life where I can attest to that, and, and there was a time where I was at a, a gas station with a, a car full of friends, and, and they all had all went inside to get some, some drinks and snacks and things like that, and so I was outside pumping gas, and this guy drives up in this big truck, and he rolls down the window, and he yells out the window at me, uh, some obscene comment, and so I yelled some obscene comment back at him, and uh, so we traded dialogue there for a moment, and then he drove off, and so I just let it go. It was no big deal to me, whatever, this guy's a jerk, right? And so... I finished pumping gas, and then uh, everybody comes out of, out of the gas station, and we get in the car, and we're, we're leaving the parking lot, and, and all of a sudden, this big truck pulls right up beside us, and the guy starts getting out of the car. I'm thinking, okay, well, uh, you know, being a man, and, and I like to resolve conflict, so I'm going to get out of the car, too, and so I'm going to get out, and, and I was like, I'm going to have to fight this guy, and that was just my thought, and, and I see a couple other guys on the other side of the car and of, of their truck, and so I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to fight all these guys. This is going to be great. And, uh, and so I, I go to reach for the handle, and as I'm reaching for the handle, open the door. Next thing I know is my two friends say, are you ready? And nobody answered. The doors just flew open, and everybody's out of the car before I can even get my hand on the handle. Because they saw this fight wasn't just for me. They had my back. They were going to go through this with me no matter what was going to come out of that truck. And that's what this church is all about. That's what the kingdom of God is all about is that there's going to be some things that you face that are going to be too great for you to handle on your own. And the person who is sitting in the row next to you is here to link arms with you and say, let's go at this thing together. They say, this is a fight that you're not going to fight on your own. When your family is struggling, when your marriage is struggling, when your kids are acting crazy, when, when finances are not where they need to be and you can't meet the bills, there's going to be a church that comes alongside you and says, we are in this together through thick and through thin, whatever giants come, whatever rain or shine, we are here and we're going to make it through together. We're going to believe, we're going to press in, we're going to pray, and we're going to have faith that God's going to turn this thing around for you because this fight is not your own. It's ours together. That's what you enter into in the kingdom of God. That's what you enter into when you come into covenant with a body, with a, a group of believers that say, I'm going to fight with you. Because the truth is, is that there is a fight and it's waiting for you, but you can't do it alone. You cannot do it alone. Paul says, I fought the good fight. And I'm going to come down a little bit because I'm going to get a little personal. I might step on some toes, so I'm going to get a little bit closer here. Uh, <clears throat> the fight that I'm talking about is not amongst us. 
Too often as the church and as the body, we get wrapped up in this thing of, of he said, she said, and they believe this, and they believe that, and they do church this way, and they do that, and they, they believe this. And, that, and we get wrapped up and twisted in the wrong things, and we start fighting against each other. We start fighting against doctrines, and we start fighting against who gets to do what in this city, and, and, and we're the best church, and we have the, we have the best this, and we have the best that, or, or uh, there's this inner conflict of, of well, th- they did this to my daughter, and they said this, and, the, and her daughter did that, and they did that, and there's this conflict that comes in, and it causes division in the body when we're supposed to be covering each other and fighting against the opposition of the enemy, not against each other. So we can take no ground if we're battling inward. We're supposed to be expanding and taking ground in this fight. We're supposed to be winning the battle and the war. We're we're not just waiting for Jesus to come back. We're taking ground today, together, one another. So we have to stop this this inner quarreling and and going around in circles and and pushing each other around. We have to, to put our differences aside and say, we have a common ground through Christ Jesus. We have a common fight against the enemy. And so the second point here is, is, you are a finisher. As a believer, you are a finisher. And, and the word here in the original language, it's not talking uh, about uh, a race like a marathon. You know how the marathon is getting very, very popular. And, and, and in the marathon, uh, everybody just kind of runs their own way. They, they have a common goal of, of a distance that they're going. But nobody really stays on a certain course or anything like that. This is talk, talking more along lines of track and field where there's a lane that you run in. There, there is a, a lane, a space designated for you to run in. And so Paul is saying that, that I have finished this race, meaning that I have stayed on course on the path that Jesus has set for me. See, you are destined uniquely, and God has placed you on this planet to achieve something specifically that only you can do. But too often as believers, we start looking over at the lane to the left of us or the lane to the right of us, and, and we say, oh, that looks good over there. The, their gifts and their talents and their calling, I want that. I, I want that. And it's okay to look up to people in the faith. But when we start coveting and we start saying, I, I want to be them, I want to do that, I want to be like that, and we start merging into their lane, and now we've entered into a, a territory that's not ours. See, you cannot run your race effectively if you are, are switching lanes consistently. If you are moving all around the place, then you cannot achieve the things and accomplish the things that Holy Spirit is putting in your heart to do. We have to stay the course that God has destined us for, not looking to our right, not looking to our left. See, if, if you cross over into a lane, you're going to cause a crash. You're going to cause a, a collision. And it's going to either cause you to stumble or both of you to stumble. And so we have to make sure, God, what have you called me to do? What, where are you calling me to reach? What are you calling me to say? And then you press on towards that. And, 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 and it gets hard because sometimes we look over and say, man, their calling is way, way better than mine. That looks way, way funner than what I have to do. God chose you because he gifted you and purposed you to fulfill the things that he's put in front of you. The person in the other lane, they couldn't do that. And you couldn't do what they're doing. You can only do what God has purposed you to do. And that, that's, that's the great thing about this relationship with our God is it's so personal. God is so creative. Obviously, we can look around outside and see all that he's done and, and, and how creative he is by all the different animals and species and trees and plants and everything that's there. He's so creative that the seven billion people that are on this planet all have a unique calling and destiny on their life. 
Every single one of them has a different thing that they need to fulfill. So we have to learn to, to stay in our lane. Paul says, I finished the good race. And, and that's the key word there is finished, right? So often we get so focused on the starting line. And we say, man, this is really going to stink. I really don't want to do this. I really don't see the point in this. This makes me uncomfortable. This is not fun. This is not where I want to go. This is not what I want to do. And I don't really want to start like this. And then sometimes we finally do the tough things, the the small and humble beginnings to get out a little bit. And then we get in the middle road and we start thinking, man, this, this 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 is long. This is longer than I wanted it to be. This is taking a long time. This is, this is further out than I wanted to go. The, um, Back whenever I was living in Tampa, I was youth pastoring at a, a, another church there, and, and uh, God called me out. And it was, it was my home church. It was under uh, a man that I really considered to be my spiritual father. He, he really helped disciple me and grow me into to the person that I was, and I didn't want to leave. This is where I thought I was going to spend my life, and, and I felt God's unction to begin to transition out of that and step down at, from the youth pastor position, and then and then I left the church and, and started attending another church. Immediately, God planted me somewhere else, and and uh, there was no bad blood or anything there, but, but that transition, it hurt. And it was part of the process. It was the middle ground, and I didn't want to do it because I thought, God, I want to be in youth ministry. I want to minister to, to, to this generation. I want to be effective. I want to make a difference. And you're calling me to go work in a call center? What am I supposed to do there? What am I supposed to make out of myself there? How am I supposed to, to reach this generation there? God, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what you've called me to do. I don't like this. This doesn't feel good. And for three years, I had to work through that thinking and that processing. But then overnight, God turned it around and had something greater ahead of me. And now we're here. We have to understand that that the purposes that God has for us may not make sense. And the middle ground between start and finish may not make sense. But he's calling you to go to finish. To finish. It's not about the start. It's not about the middle. It's about crossing over. You don't get the prize until you cross the paint. I heard this, this pastor talking about one of his friends who does a lot of the, the Ironman challenges. I don't know if you guys have ever heard about that, but it's like a, a, a marathon on steroids. And uh, probably most of the competitors are on steroids. And they, they, uh, they like bike for a really, really long time, and they swim for a really, really long time, and they run for a really, really long time, and they do all kinds of crazy stuff, right? And so uh, this, this pastor, his friend did these, and he got pretty successful at them. And he was doing his fourth Ironman event, and... and uh, he, he gets through the, the biking process, and then all of a sudden, uh, he starts kind of feeling this pain in his back, on both sides of his back, and then, and then he starts uh, kind of feeling a pain in his chest, and, he, and he's not feeling very good, and then he goes into the, you know, the swimming event, and it's getting worse, and finally he gets to the running event, he gets through all of that, and, and he gets uh, uh, starting into running, and all of a sudden, he starts blacking out. And he tells his pastor, he says, he goes, I don't even really remember running, because I was blacking out so consistently. I don't really remember what was going on or, or really any of that portion of the race. And so he, he presses through all of the pain and, and, and the fading in and out kind of consciousness. And, and he gets to the finish line. And as soon as he crosses over the line, he collapses and completely goes unconscious. They have to rush him to the emergency room. They get him there and they find out that he's had a minor heart attack and both of his kidneys have fell. And so uh, this pastor goes to visit him in the hospital and he says, he says, dude, if, if you were feeling all that pain, if you were going through that and you felt that pain, why did you keep going? Why didn't you just stop? Why didn't you flag somebody down to pick you up and take you to the hospital? He said, he said by how excruciating the pain was, I knew that both my kidneys had, had failed. 
I, I knew it. I knew that there was something wrong with my chest, but, but I, I thought to myself, I made up in my mind that even if my body gives out on me, I am not going to, to quit on this race. I am not going to stop. No matter what happens, my body may fail me, but I'm going to keep pushing forward. And so he said, why? To us, it's like, that's stupidity, right? It's like, dude, just stop. Like, you're not even getting paid for this. There's like donuts at the finish line or something. Like, like just chill out, man. Like, this isn't a big deal. He said, he said, I didn't start the race. I didn't run the race just to start it. I ran the race to finish it. I ran the race to finish it. All that you go through, all the, the, the trials that you have to overcome, and all of the, the testing in your faith, and all the attacks from the enemy, and all the things that you fight through, they are worth nothing if we do not finish Everything that you have paid for in your life will amount to nothing if we do not finish strong. He's calling us to not just fight and not just run, but to finish in grace. Paul says, I fought the good faith and I finished my race. I did all that God placed me on this earth to do. I did everything that he asked of me. And now I know, even though I'm in this prison cell, even though I'm writing this letter to you in chains, I know that I have lived a fulfilled life because I have taken every step in the will of God. That's how we have to live our lives as believers. We have to press forward to finish correctly. The last point is, as a Christian, you are a keeper. You are a keeper. Not like, like oh, you're a keeper, I'm going to keep you. No. We're talking about, in, in the original language, it's, it's, it's actually to guard. To guard. Paul says, I have kept the faith. In other words, I have guarded my faith. And we're not talking about to, uh, to guard our salvation. We're not talking about to guard what Christ has done for us through uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection. He's talking about to guard, to guard his relationship with God. To guard his faith and to guard what it is that God has called him to do in his beliefs. The belief in the existence of the Father. The belief in the, the, the salvation that is provided through Jesus. The belief in, in the counsel of the Holy Spirit. The belief that what the word says is true. And that what the word has given us is the instruction for our lives. He's talking about guarding that with his heart. Guarding that against the attacks. See, what Paul is going through during this time period is pretty similar to the, the culture today. What was happening is, is after Jesus' uh, death and, and resurrection, his ascension to heaven, the, the church begins to form. And the apostles come around and, and, and they begin to form uh, bodies of believers all over the world based upon the foundation of the teachings of Christ and the scriptures that we now call the Old Testament, right? And so Paul is dealing with these... these uh, these branches that have split off from the church that the apostles are running and they are beginning to twist the words and teachings of Jesus to their own beliefs, to their, to their own comfort zones, to what they want to see the church be like and what they want to do. And, and it's a power struggle and they're deceiving people and people are falling away from, from the true gospel because of it. And so Paul is writing in the middle of a generation that doesn't know firmly their identity in Christ. And today we're dealing with the same thing. It's a, it's a recurrence that we're seeing that this, this world is going so crazy and so nuts that there's becoming a twisting of doctrine. There's a twisting 
twisting of the theology and the thinking and the belief that is, that is supposed to be the foundation for the gospel. But we are entering into a time where it's becoming uh, obscured. And so Paul is saying, against all of these false teachings, against all uh, policies and politics and governments and, and false prophets and teachers and all of these people that want to, uh, to twist your thinking and your heart and your mind from the things that the Word has laid out for you, guard yourself. Guard yourself from the attack of the enemy of deception. Because if you cannot hold firmly to your faith, then you will fall away. If you, cannot, if you cannot hold firmly to what it is you believe, when the storm comes, you will be swept away with the waters. We will be swept away with this culture if we do not hold firmly to the truths of his word. That's why it's so important that we continue to root ourselves in the Bible. That we continue to give ourselves over to the counsel of elders and people that we can believe will lead us into the gospel. And not into our own way of thinking or not a new age thinking or society or governmental thinking. But that we stay planted on the word of God. To you mothers and fathers, it is so, so important that right now you begin to set a foundation for your students to stand on, on the word. Because it, it doesn't start in youth ministry. It does not start when they get into college and they can make up their own mind for themselves of what they want to believe. It starts right now, this very moment. You have to step out and say, this is what our house stands for. This is the Bible that we live by. We go to church. We tithe. We serve. We love other people. And we will follow God all the days of our lives. And you begin to declare that and hold that over your family, over your marriages, over your kids, and everybody else that you come in contact with. Because there is an attack on truth in today. We have to live by truth and die by truth. God has given us clear instructions on how to live our lives, on how to follow after him, on how to, to pursue the calling on our lives. But we have to guard it. In the same way that, that military would guard a stronghold. The same way that they would set soldiers and equipment and defenses around important military bases. We have to begin to set a foundation of, of strength against the enemy. We have to protect this truth. I'm going to ask for the, the band to come join me. This morning, what I want us to, to understand more than anything is that, that this development, this this idea that, that there's this fight that's going on and there's, there's a race to be had and there, there's a, a faith to keep. That it, it's not something new. It's not something that, that's just coming up. That, that Paul is speaking this uh, close to 2,000 years ago and the, the truth still rings the same for us. That we are called. We are called and set apart to be victorious in this fight. That God has graced you and I to finish what he set us out to do. That we would be the men and the women to stand and say, no matter what this world has to say or offer, no matter what decisions they make, no matter what direction it goes, I will stand upon the word of God. That, that I will never question God's love for me because I've seen it. I've tasted it. I've experienced 
who he is and what he has for my life. We have to begin to to step out and say, I'm going to take a stand for my family. I'm going to take a stand for this marriage. I'm going to take a stand for my home. I'm going to take a stand for my city and this community. I'm going to take a stand and I'm going to fight and press forward and I'm going to guard it with everything that I have. Here's the great thing is that when we stand, we're not standing alone. We're standing together as a body and we're standing empowered by the Spirit, the same Spirit that that raised our Savior back to life, defeated death and sin, gave us victory over all of the circumstances that we will ever face. The great thing about this this fight and and the race and the battle and everything that's going on is that it's, it's fixed. The enemy, he's such a great liar that he's deceived himself into thinking that he's already won. He thinks that he can actually, he can actually change the outcome of this thing. But our Bible tells us that Christ has reigned victorious over death, that he's beaten sin, he's defeated the enemy, and that he will return. And when he does, his victory will be declared. We have to start declaring that in our lives right now. We have to start declaring in our lives together that we will finish this race strong. That we will fight together with everything that we have and we will hold on to the faith no matter the cost, no matter the shaking, no matter the trial, because it's worth it. Because it's truth. I'm gonna ask that that you would stand with me this morning as I close. And I just want to take a, t- a time just to, to pray over you so that we can seal this in our hearts. Because we can come in and we can hear a message that inspires and we can hear uh, words that, that help us feel better about what we're going through and the trials that we may have. But if, if we walk out the door and we have not sealed the seed that's been planted in our heart, it's out in the open exposed for the enemy to snatch up. So I want to believe with you. I want to put our faith together this morning that this will will set us on a course to finish our race and finish strong. So if you would, let's bow our heads and, and if you feel that, let's raise our hands and just open ourselves up to what Holy Spirit wants to do in our hearts today. Father, I thank you for this time in your word. I thank you that you have given us a word to instruct us and to guide us. And Holy Spirit, you come and counsel us and give us discernment. And and you give us vision and and passion and, and energy to move forward. And I pray that right now in the heart of every believer that is in this place, that they would receive the identity of a fighter. They would receive the calling of a finisher. And God, that they would would guard their faith with their lives. God, that they would press into the things of you. That they would press into your word and they would press into your presence to receive direction and calling and identity. And God, that they would begin to lead in their homes. They would begin to lead in their marriages. They would begin to lead their family and their children. And God, that we would set a foundation of truth in our lives. I thank you, God, that we can walk in victory because of the price that you paid, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you seal this in our hearts and in our lives, God, and that we walk in the authority and the power that you've given us to do so.
I pray grace upon grace on these lives. That you would flood their their lives with not just favor, but grace to get through the day. Grace to to continue and progress and to move forward. That they would be yoked to you, Jesus. And that you would power us through. Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done and all that was said and all that, that we can believe on today. We thank you for a church of believers that surrounds us to fight with us and to help us and to hold us. I pray that we would leave this place today blessing your name. And we leave this place today thanking you for your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name, we all said amen, amen. We love you. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to love your students. God bless you. Amen. You know, um, great word, Patrick. That was just awesome. You know, it's not time for the body of Christ, the church, to back down in any way. You know, it's, it's time for us to actually be more aggressive, to stand out more, to speak out more in love and grace and truth, but to do it and not just to back down because the world's coming against you and the People say things against you. No, you have what's true. You, you have the word that can change somebody's life. And if you back down, lives won't be changed. Amen? And so don't, don't be afraid of that. Be strong in that and go forward. And just go after it with all your heart. And that's, you know, that's what we're planning to do here as Cornerstone is that we're not going to back down. We're not going to stop building and doing what God's called us to do. We're going to go after it with all of our heart. Amen? Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. He's worthy.